0: Rich Roll Podcast. Episode four. The podcast. We're in our second week, I think. How many days ago did we start this?
1: I don't know, like what do you think? Five?
0: Four or five days ago. November thirtieth or something like that, I think. Something like
1: that. What's the day today?
0: That's Julie Pyet over there.
1: (laughs) That's the fourth.
0: She's quickly solidifying herself as my permanent co-host. I'm
1: so happy about that. Thank yeah. you so
0: much. I don't know if that was the original <laughs> idea, but...
1: It was not your original idea, for sure. <laughs> no, was
0: winning them over. I think, uh, <clears throat> well, it's interesting. Um, you know, I've been talking about doing a podcast for so long, but I never really did anything about it. And then we, we come out to a, a relatively deserted island and, start, and decide that we're going to start it here. And That's a good thing because that was
1: your only guest.
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, like if we were in LA, like we could book guests every single day. I could book solid through, you know, fascinating people every single day. But out here, it's a little bit tricky. Yeah, but it's, this
1: is the divine plan coming into play. You think so? Setting the stage. Not, I know so. It's not my I actually will, know not so. my will. I keep it's thinking about your will. all
0: the people that I would have on if we were if we were at home. Yeah. So well, I it's have not. You.
1: I it know. It is a ritual podcast, but it 's actually not your show <laughs> it 's god 's show
0: that 's true i suppose that's um, what i meant by no, that i don't yeah well my my self will is never a good plan right
1: mm. sometimes only when
0: it 's in proper alignment
1: yeah only when it's in oh, yeah, when it 's in, in alignment
0: right so Anyway, here we are, we're at episode four and I'm back with Julie. We do have some interesting guests that live out here in Kauai. We're broadcasting from a warehouse on an organic farm on the North shore of Kauai in a little town called Kilauea. It's on the grounds of a, uh, of a place called Common Ground, uh, which is where we're living in a little uh, village of yurts out behind, the gar- out, out behind the garden in the fields. Um, and we're living here through January, and it's an experiment in a uh, sustainable lifestyle. We're working on some interesting things with Chris Jabe, who who is uh, a guest on, in, our, in our second episode of the podcast. So if you haven't listened to that and you're just tuning in now for the first time to the podcast, check it out, and you'll get a better idea of why we are here in Hawaii as opposed to uh, Los Angeles, which has been our permanent residence for the last two decades or whatever. Um, and uh, like I said, we do have some interesting guests coming up uh, that are people that live around here that are all going to be coming in and speaking on, you know, relevant themes that are pertinent to the issues that I want to talk about here, issues of increasing the sustainability of your lifestyle, improving your diet, nutrition, fitness, all that good stuff. But uh, today we have Julie Pyatt back again. And uh,
1: Thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's a pleasure to have you here.
1: Thank you, sweetie.
0: Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Jai Lifestyle. What is Jai Lifestyle? What does the word Jai mean?
1: Jai means victory or hail in Sanskrit, loose translation. Mm-hmm. It's a very upbeat sort of celebratory saying. It's a, it's a, it's a
0: term of high praise and mm-hmm. reverence, right? Yes. So Jai Lifestyle is our, is our uh, company. It's our lifestyle company. We offer products and services. We have a uh, plant-based protein product called Jai Repair. We have a downloadable e-cookbook called Jai Seed, 77 pages of awesomeness. We have a meditation program uh, that Julie conceived and recorded called Jai Release, which is a 30-minute humming meditation. Um, And we have some new stuff coming up. We have a B12 supplement product Uh, B12 uh, is a very important supplement to take if you're on a plant-based diet. It's really, really important. So uh, it's not live yet. Uh, The product is packaged, labeled, ready to ship, but we got to get it configured with the website and our shopping cart and all that kind of stuff. So that should be coming up in the next week or so. Uh, But you can find all this good stuff at Jailifestyle.com, J-A-I-Lifestyle.com. I Uh, I think uh, actually RichRoll.com also is configured for the product, so you can check that out as well. And... If you um, go to com and subscribe to the email newsletter, you will get a free seven recipe download recipes from, from the cookbook. So a uh, little free incentive to check out the website. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that, Most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentous products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentus's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentus for yourself by going to livemomentus.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by On. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story. But basically, you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. So that's that. Let's launch into what we're going to talk about today. What are we going to talk about today?
1: I think we're going to talk about crashing and... Relationships i don 't know what are we talking that's about
0: That's a scary subject matter <laughs>
1: both very yeah before perilous. we get it, you know what
0: before we get into that, I just want to say <clears throat> I wanted to thank everybody out there, um, Julie and I started this podcast last week. It was as we said, this is our only our fourth episode. We honestly do not know really what we 're doing. The only one who really knows what they 're doing is Tyler, uh, my stepson who 's seventeen years old he 's sitting right here. He is the podcast producer. Um, and he understands audio as a musician. So he's the only one with any level of expertise whatsoever. And yet we were just uh, listed as number 22 on iTunes of all podcasts. Unbelievable. Like in the, in the rankings of iTunes podcasts. So crazy. that includes like This American Life, all the NPR programs, Alec Baldwin's podcast, Adam Carolla, Joe Rogan, Neil deGrasse Tyson, like all these amazing, incredible people these professional broadcasters and and you know world renowned uh, pontificators i suppose so it's it's almost embarrassing really i'm like what are we doing amongst all these people like we just started this last week we're just finding our legs we're not even sure what this show is or or what it's going to be and to see it as number 22 on all of iTunes and 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 also to be the number 1 health podcast like right out of the gate is Ridiculous. ridiculous! It's ridiculous. So, what does that say? Thank you. Yeah, We're going to keep talking. You. So, I really, re- yeah, we really, really <laughs> appreciate your support. And uh, the pressure is on now. I suppose. Right. I mean, we got to. I think for us, um, you know, we want to keep the the quality level very high, the content and quality level very high. But we also want to uh, treat this professionally. You know, give it the respect that it deserves and. Treat it not so much as a as a hobby or something we do on the side, but to really, um, you know, take that initial early positive feedback and understand that uh, there's a there's a desire, there's a need, there's a want for health information for the kind of information that we've just started to provide and and hopefully you know we'll continue to provide. So again, thank you, and uh, yes, we will do you. our best to honor that early praise and feedback and, and all the great response that we've gotten by trying to bring you the best program that we can. And, and it's incumbent upon us to learn more about how to do this and do it right so that we, that we can, you know, live up to the early hype and not just explode. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So speaking about explosions crashing. You want to talk about crashing? Today I crashed on my bike.
2: <sighs> hmm.
0: That was not fun. How are you so, feeling now? <clears throat> well, I, I took uh, a good amount of time off from real training this past year to travel around with the book. And, you know, initially I was going to try to train for Ultraman this past year, which just transpired over Thanksgiving weekend. I was going to try to do that and do everything that is involved with promoting the book and the travel and all that kind of stuff. And I quickly realized late spring that that was a preposterous idea, that there was no way I was going to be able to do both of the... I mean, I could try, but you know, I, would, I think I would ultimately have ended up um, probably doing poorly at both. Uh, so I let go of the idea of trying to compete this past year and just focused on uh, traveling around with the book and kind of giving that my all. I mean, I had this amazing experience and honor of 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 writing this book finding ultra um if you're new to us and don't know it's it's a it's a memoir that i wrote this past year you can find it on amazon we'll put up links and there's links on on both of our websites and and you can go to amazon and check it out but but there was a lot of travel traveling around with the book book signings and and speaking at you know conferences and the like and And, uh, yeah, I remained relatively fit. I would, I would, you know, go try to go do something every day. You know, when I was traveling, I would try to run every day and I didn't do very much swimming, but, you know, I was hardly race fit. You know, I just was trying to stay in touch with being fit. And so now that that's kind of that it's that chapter isn't exactly closed. It's kind of ongoing, but, um, things have mellowed out or whatever life is normalized. Well, not really normalized. We're living in a yurt, so how normal is that? But uh, there's a little bit more free time. Uh, I've started to kind of get back to basics and and get back into my training, and it's been great to be here in Hawaii with the warm weather and being able to get up and get out on my bike You know, with it being warm out and not having to bundle up and all that kind of stuff, which is what would be happening if we were in L.A. I've really been enjoying that, and I'm starting to already realize some good fitness gains, and, and I'm intent on trying to find something to compete in, in 2013. And uh, this morning I went out on my bike and, and if you're familiar with Kauai, you know, it rains a lot. It's a, it's a very damp, um, it's a very damp, wet, damp, damp, wet Island. And, uh, and also uh, not exactly as cycling friendly as Los Angeles, which Los Angeles isn't exactly the, the most cycling friendly place, <laughs> but, but you really have to watch your P's and Q's on the bike out here. Uh, the cars come real close to you. the, shoulders are not as wide. There's a lot of debris on the road. And, and there's really only one main road that goes around the island. There's a couple offshoot roads that I try to take to get off the main road that circumnavigates the island. But for the most part, you spend most of your time riding on, on this one road. And uh, this morning I was riding and I was kind of coming into the main town here of, of Lahui, And it was it was a light drizzle, but the pavement was wet. And you know, I don't even know what happened. It wasn't, nothing dramatic happened. Uh, the bike just slipped out from underneath me. Like my tire just, you know, didn't catch its groove or whatever. And I just hit the pavement hard and, and interestingly hit landed on the, my left side, which is the same side that I crashed on when I, when I crashed uh, at Ultraman in 2009. I talk a lot, <clears throat> I talk about that story in the book. That's kind of how the book opens in the preface actually. And I haven't, crashed my bike or fallen off my bike since then. I don't think.
1: I don't been think have. I've been pretty
0: lucky. Yeah. I've, I've, you I've
1: crashed kept, before then.
0: I, yeah, I've cr-
1: which was I'm not good.
0: the most coordinated guy, believe me. Like I can't play baseball. I can't shoot a basketball or, or anything. Can't catch a ball. And so, you know, <laughs> it's actually amazing that I haven't crashed my bike uh, in the last couple of years, but I think I've kept the rubber side down pretty consistently right? until today. And I landed, you know, I pretty much landed in the exact same places that I landed. Like I, I have road rash all over me and it's in the same places where I have the scars from when I crashed in 2009.
1: No coincidence.
0: No On Hawaii. No, you it
1: know. has to be like another layer of whatever healing so. you were... You were doing the first. Thank time. God, it
0: was like one tenth as as bad as that yes. other crash. wasn't nearly as bad. But I've got you know I've got a big raspberry on my hip and and my ankles all shredded up and it looks my like elbow it hurts. and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you, you know you go down and you have this amazing surge of adrenaline. Like I didn't want to get hit by a car and. you know, I'm trying to get my my bike off the road and get to the side and my heart rate must have been like 180. Like just, I wasn't even riding that hard and it just shoots up and it took me a while to catch my breath and, and collect myself and then realizing like, you know, oh my God, I'm really hurt. And I just immediately reflected on Ultraman 2009 and going, how did I get back on the bike and ride? Like I didn't, you know, I literally just walked my bike and, you know, and got back on it and gingerly rode it down to Starbucks and called Julie to come and pick me up. I mean, I technically, I suppose I could have gotten on my bike and, and ridden back to Common Ground, but, you know, that wouldn't have been a good idea. But, but you know, it hurt a lot. And I was like, wow, I actually raced that injured. Wow. So
1: that was a grueling day.
0: Anyway, uh, further, the f- further, further irony is the fact that uh, I just got a great care package <clears throat> the other day, yesterday, from Road ID. Um, if you don't know what Road ID is, they're, they're bracelets, um, and ID tags that contain your name and a bunch of um, biological information about you with a website. So if you get, you wear them around your wrist or you can wear it around your neck and if you if you crash or in a cycling accident or something happens to you, whoever discovers you can quickly identify you and you know find out all your information, your insurance information, who your doctor is, if you have any medical conditions and all this kind of stuff. And I'm a huge advocate of making sure that you know, you always wear your Road ID, and they're not—they don't sponsor me. Uh, they don't sponsor this show. I just think it's a—it's a great product. Um, I recommend everybody who lives an active lifestyle, or kind of—you know—even if you—you go out on a trail run, you know, maybe somebody doesn't know where you are, or there aren't that many people around. If something should happen to you, you know, it's always just a great thing to have your Road ID on you uh, in the event of an emergency. In any event. Uh, Edward uh, from Road ID sent me a, a box with a bunch of swag. It was a, a cycling kit and some T-shirts and a baseball hat. Super nice. Um, and he included uh, three, the 3Go three magazine. I was profiled in 3Go magazine, which is a triathlon magazine. There were some pictures of me in there, and I was wearing my Road ID. So he wanted me to sign it and send it back to him for the office, which That's I was great. he asked me a while ago. I was like, of course. I didn't expect that he'd send me all these goodies. But today was the first day that I put the road ID kit on, the cycling jersey to ride. And so, and that's the same <laughs> yeah. day. My first ride in this new kit and it's all torn up now Been because I crashed in it. And, yeah.
1: Just wanted to make sure
0: Right, right. Sure it's all it about like caution and that all that worked. kind of stuff. And, and there it is. I crashed There's for the, the, the first time yeah. <laughs> in three years or whatever. So anyway, I'm fine. I'm glad you you're know, all right. I'm, I've got some bruised ribs. I'm going to be benched for a little bit here. But uh, anyway, why are we talking about crashing?
1: Just, uh... Because it's a it's a reality. I think if you're a cyclist and you're out on the road a lot, it's it's a it's a re, it's a real opportunity that's <laughs> that's there yeah, for it's, you.
0: I mean, look, if you ride a bike a lot, you're going to crash. Yeah. you know that's just the fact of the matter. And, um, you know, even if you are the most conscientious, responsible rider, you only have control over so many things. You can't control the other drivers, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to happen. And, uh, you know, people die all the time. And and since I've been on Kauai, people have been warning me like, are you sure you want to ride your bike here? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. But you know, enough people said it that I was like, well, what's the deal? And I think that there's, you know, it goes back to it's, it, there's some argument to be made that it's not the most cycling friendly place. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. Actually, I haven't experienced anything bad but but
1: uh Well, Trapper and I actually uh saw a cyclist get uh, punched in the face oh, a couple right. days ago. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't Yeah, what happened? He, well, he was not he was not a cyclist. I mean, he was on a bike, but he was not a cyclist. Like uh-huh. he was a, just a he was a local guy and we were just, you know, driving down a small street in the neighborhood and all of a sudden, the car in front of me, you know, just stopped, and a, a young local kid jumped out of the car and just walked back five paces and just cocked this guy right in the face. It was well, what the did the guy the do cycle. to it? I didn't really see. Him. I mean, I uh, the guy sped off, sped off, and I stopped the car and just sort of held presence with. The, I, I asked the guy if he was okay. I held his bike and just just was with him and he was breathing trying to calm his heart rate down and he said that he had made some hand signal to the driver like you were getting close to me like with the with his two hands extended you know up like um, like karate chop style and uh, apparently the islander uh, the island boy thought that he had flipped him off or that seemed to be the communication so yeah so he punched him in the face and he was all kind of intense yeah but uh
0: I don't know what to do with that information, though. Am well, I, I supposed know. to just not ride my bike? Like, well,
1: it's not you. you know? I mean, no, <clears throat> I don't. I mean, I think that. Um, I mean, listen. The, uh, watching you race that second day when we crewed for you for Ultraman was probably the, one of the hardest days of my life, as well as Tyler's and running elk as well. I mean, to to watch you suffer at that level with your you know skin sheared off. And it was such a hard day. The winds were so strong and it was raining and it was long. It was so long. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, as you and I know, uh, this is what you love to do. It's what uh, speaks to your heart. And, uh, you know, we can't live our life in fear and you can't live your life, you know, locked in a room because something may happen, you know. So.
0: Yeah. But there's something about that adage of, well, you. He died doing what he loved. You know, that I'm like, really? You know, yeah, but he's dead, you know. Yeah,
1: but, well, I don't want to die. Yeah, but let's go to, uh, what about your, uh, you wrote about it in your book after the, after the big crash, you know, when you, when you crash on your face in Ohio, and, uh, and I got you home from the hospital, you were in bad shape. There's photos in the book if anybody hasn't seen it. It was not a pretty sight. And that was really scary. I and mean, that was really, really scary but when you got home and you were in the tub you know you could, i could barely recognize you that's how swollen and yeah, cut all that you were
0: skin was sheared off my nose and my upper lip it was yeah. all messed up
1: it was intense but you know i asked you that question so if this is it is this is this what you want to be doing i mean to me that's a big question
0: yeah it is and the answer was that it yes it, it was and it is. And it is. You know? that's, so that's why you're writing. Just be careful. Be careful. That's all, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. You know? That's um, right. But uh, I think that begs the question of kind of getting into something that I think has wide applicability and is of interest to the people that are tuning into this, which is, and I've gotten a lot of questions and comments and inquiries about this, which is how do you train the way that you're training for these crazy races and you're married and you have kids and are you an absentee dad and you know how do you stay married and what does your wife think when you're gone all the time and and there's a lot of projection and transference that goes with that and assumptions and judgments like oh I must be being selfish uh, because you know you are are so (laughs) selfish
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am now I get to say it yeah no to everybody, um, yeah, I know. I mean, I got a lot of that in the beginning, like people sticking up for me online, like, 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 you know, like I was getting the short your, end your, of the stick, or yeah, something. they call
0: it like the triathlon widow, right? Or something it, like
1: yeah, that. I've had people say that to me. Well, I'm not going to be that kind of widow, and I it doesn't uh, doesn't connect. Well, so, me what do you
0: what do you say to that?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I mean, you know that I'm a I'm an extremely independent individual, and I like my space, and uh, you know. I don't like telling you where I'm going or what <laughs> yeah, I'm doing
0: all the time. She'll be like leaving, getting into the car. And I'm like, where are you going? And she'll say, I'm going to go see some people. Out, I'm like, I'm going, going out. out. I'm going out. I'm like, Oh, that's great. See some folks. It's a uh, healthy relationship. <laughs> I'll that let we're you know in. later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then I hope that works out for you. No,
1: I just have this thing. It's just, I don't know, maybe because I'm just sort of a free spirit and it's, and, um, you know, I mean, uh, the relationship has to be based in self-sustainability first before you can really dance with somebody and really share that level of intimacy. And, you know, I, the truth of the matter is, uh, I love the man and the spirit that you are when you're training. Um, it's completely my gift that I get to be, uh, close to you when you're, you know, in that space. And, for me, it's never been about quantity. Like, I was ne- I'm never a person or a, or a wife or a mother that needs you to be home every night at five to, like, sit, you know, next to me or next to the kids. Um, I'm, I would rather have a quality of connection than a quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, I find the quantity to be sort of boring sometimes. Or
0: maybe annoying.
1: Annoying. Yeah. boring, <laughs> confining. Well, I
0: think that when, I mean, there's no getting around the fact that when I was, there's a difference between the kind of training that I'm doing right now, which is pretty light and modest and <clears throat> isn't really, doesn't really interfere that much with the daily flow of life. And in the sort of couple months that precede Ultraman where it gets super intense, I think that's not a long-term sustainable way of living in, when you're when you're one person in a family unit, <clears throat> married with kids and all that kind of stuff. It was a situation where I sucked it up for a short period of time and, you know, sacrificed a lot of other things in my life that I like to do just for the purpose of this goal.
1: Well, we were following that guiding light. We both felt that this was the truth of what we should be doing together, mm-hmm. you know?
0: But... It gets to this idea of organizing your life around a purpose and a goal or a dream, and what you're willing to sacrifice or or not sacrifice for that, and and the concessions that you make. I mean, I talk about this in the book too. Like, in order for me as a you know working entertainment lawyer in Los Angeles and a and a happily married person and a father, um, for me to go out Thank and take on that. this uh, <laughs> this commitment. <laughs> of trying to, you know, prepare as best I could for Ultraman. And for those of you who kind of are stumbling on the podcast and, and don't know really that much about us or 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 whatever, um, Ultraman was a race that I that I've done a couple of times and I talk about it in my book. But it is the it is a it's double the distance of an Iron Man. It's a race that circumnavigates the entire Big Island of Hawaii. Uh, it's a three-day race. The first day is a 6.2 mile swim and a 90 mile bike. The second day is a 170 mile bike, and the third day is a 52.4 mile run. And uh, in the and uh, I re- I was I remember preparing for this race in 2009, and really doing an inventory of my life and my lifestyle, and actually doing a, a an accounting going through my day. How I spent every 15 minutes of every day and trying to identify where I was wasting time, whether it was cruising on the internet, you know, browsing Facebook or watching television late at night, or having lunch with friends or even business lunches or business meetings, and saying, you know, which, which, which of these items can I cut down or eliminate from my day so I can free up time to. A, train, of course, because this is the goal that I was working towards, but also, you know, still be a present husband and father. You know, I wasn't going mm-hmm. to sacrifice this relationship that I'd worked so hard to achieve in this family life that I had. You know, the, that goal wouldn't have meant anything if, that, if it came at the cost of that. So it was about how to sure. balance those things <clears throat> and still, you know, be able to kind of make my way in the world and be a functional, responsible adult and i realized that i waste a lot of time you know i would have lunch meetings that that are technically business meetings and then i would look at i would think about them or i would evaluate all right well what did that lead to like what did that generate any business or was it you know and in was it meaningful look in los angeles in hollywood in the entertainment business breakfasts and lunches and drinks and all that kind of stuff is just is that's how people do business. It's a way of life. But it's actually an incredibly inefficient way of doing business. And so what I did was I eliminated all of those lunches and I eliminated almost all of my business meetings and tried to push them to conference calls. And and a lot of the conference calls got pushed to uh email or whatever, any way that I could like free up ten minutes here, free up a half an hour there. And that stuff Starts to accumulate, and so when people are, say to me, "I'm too busy to go to the gym," or "I don't have time," and I've got to be at work, like I'm empathetic, I'm sympathetic. I created a lifestyle um, where I was self-employed that 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 gives that gave me and continues to give me and us um, choices and more latitude in how we spend our day, uh, how we allocate our time, um, because I don't have to show up at 7.30 for a boss and sit in a cubicle. And for people that do have to do that, my heart goes out to you. I realize it's much more difficult, but I also know that um, no matter who you are, there's still wasted time during the day. So if there's something that you're trying to, if there's something that you would like to do with your life or there's some passion, some dream deferred uh, that you've set aside and just written off as being something that you don't have time to do, there are, there's always a way. There's, there's, always, always, a, there's a way. always a way. And it starts with really being honest with yourself about how you're spending your time and being willing to sacrifice or let go of some pastimes that uh, don't serve that goal, or you know, if they're let go of, will free up some time for you to pursue something else.
1: That's right. Well, and I also feel like, you know, if uh, I'm, I would say like the constraints of the time that that you had and the things that you were trying to accomplish, Um, sort of informed um, an increased uh, creativity and intensity for the time you did have with us. So Mm -hmm. um, I would say that, first of all, your ability to come in from training and still be energized so that you could, you know, do something with the girls or, you know, be present for the boys or whatever. I mean, it was really, really, really remarkable. And it showed that this was a, a goal that was in alignment with our hearts as a family. We sort of agreed as a family that we were going to support you through this endeavor. And...
0: Well, it, yeah, it wouldn't have worked otherwise. No, it
1: wouldn't have worked. But I mean, you know, we did, we did crew for the race but it was actually way before then that we became your crew because everything was focused around supporting you to achieve this sort of shift in your life and this expression. And we all knew that, um, you know, our time was coming. It wasn't like it wasn't like I've entered into a relationship where everything is about you and what you want to do. Although it may have been for largely for a specific period of time yeah, was
0: in, there was an imbalance during that period of time where that focus was shifted in my direction but, but
1: there wasn't an imbalance it was an it was a pendulum. Agreement. it was yeah, fine yeah. Right. and then and, the
0: pendulum would swing the other way when that's you were right. recording your album and i was supporting you throughout that and there was right. you know it's it's all about with our family the kind of marching orders are you know, identify what you love and as a team, let's together, let's together figure out a way to pursue that and realize that. That's right. And that's a really, it's a, it's a gift, um, to be, you know, with you and with the kids who were all kind of sharing that together, um, which has been amazing. And it goes, you know, if you're, if you're an athlete and you're, you participate in an individual sport like triathlon or, running, marathon running or cycling or whatever. There's this idea that it's just you and you alone um, that's doing it. But if you are achieving anything in that regard in terms of performance, you're not doing it alone. You have a team behind you that supports you, whether that's your family or a group of like-minded individuals or even, you know, all the people that, I mean, think of all the people that were instrumental uh, in helping, me race Ultraman in 2009. I mean, you can't, or, or and in huge. 2011 too. I mean, you can't, you can't count on two hands the number of people that really, you know, gave of themselves to help make that happen. And I think it's important as an athlete to be in touch with that and to realize that.
1: That's right. It's beautiful.
0: So uh, so balance though.
1: Well, balance, I mean, I think, you know, that's something that we're constantly uh, adjusting and... Um, You know, time management for you is, I think, maybe your biggest challenge to figure out how to allocate the time and how to get in and out of things quickly. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think,
0: you know, well, first of all... (laughs) Balance is like, you know, the thing that I'm worst at, like I'm prone to, you know, I'm prone to extremes, you know, whether it's really? working or training or, or whatever it is, I, I want to go all the way in and like <laughs> lose myself in that completely. That is my MO. That's like my default setting. Right? That's right. And so all the, you know, all the interpersonal work that, that I do is oriented around trying to not be like that. And it's challenging because I look at certain things that I've focused on and done well at, and I go, well, that's because I immersed myself in that. And I wasn't balanced for a period of time in yes. order to move forward in this category or whatever. So when somebody says, yeah, but you know, you need to be balanced or whatever, when I'm balanced, I don't feel like I'm moving the ball forward with anything. But I also recognize that that if things are out of balance in my life, it doesn't function well in the long term. Like if I'm, training too much, I may realize some performance goal athletically, but if my family life or my marriage or my professional life is is out of balance, that will not serve me. And that will catch up to me and ultimately undermine everything that I'm trying to do. So my my job, like every day, I'm like, okay, how can I keep things in better balance? What's out of balance today? What is? Where is the pendulum swinging and how can I bring it back a little bit more towards neutral? mm mm-hmm. I think that's a common thing. I mean, and it's hard. It's like I'm I'm always moving these puzzle pieces around, I'm, or I'm making this mixture, you know. And I, I can, I'm always trying to get the ingredients right. And there's always one. There's always too much of one ingredient and not enough of another. <laughs> and and uh, and yeah, I like to be very efficient in how I use my time. Like I'm not big on like hanging around and chit chatting. And it, it's interesting because we're here at Common Ground. And, you know, when we're at home, we do whatever we want. It's our house. You know, we spend our time the way we want to. But here we're living as part of a community. There are a lot of other people that that work here um, and are around here. And so we're interacting in our living space in our eating space and in our professional space much more so than we would be at home. And so I have to kind of socially navigate that, whereas like sometimes I want to just Go into a cave and get my work done, or you know, hey, I want to get this podcast up. Like, I want to get it up before it's too late tonight, so people can download it and listen to it tomorrow. But you know, I walk in the office, and then you know, I'll you know, there are other people there. There are other pe- people who you know I need to convene with and converse with and interact with, or whatever. And I'm not, I'm not used to that. That's a new, th- that's a new thing. You're for definitely me. You a soul I mean? rider yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I like to, I like to go lone wolf style. <laughs> So, uh, it's kind of
1: like living on a on a permanent yoga retreat. It's a good thing we have all that experience
0: from it is kind of like that. Traveling in groups, look, it's been amazing, you know, it's it's been a really cool experience. But getting back to balance, um, you know, I think a lot of triathletes email me and they say, you know, I'd love to, you know, train for a marathon, but you know, I have, I just, you know, I get up at five in the morning and I, I work till eight at night and-
1: My wife and, wants and me and to go weekends, to Home Depot. My,
0: yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, real life stuff, right? So like, what do I do? Like, what's the answer to that? Like, what, how, do I, how do I try to start doing, you know, working towards this thing that is, uh, you know, important to me without disrupting my life? Like, how can I find the means to do that? And, you know, is there, a, is there a, you know, it's, and I, my response is like, I'm compassionate and I don't know you. I don't know your exact circumstances. I can't give you this perfect answer that you want, but what are some of the tools that you think that people could incorporate into their lives to, you know, I'm not talking just about triathletes. I'm talking about anybody who feels stuck in life and has something that they wanted, that they want to do, or they want to uncover, or they're feeling unfulfilled and they want to... You know express themselves more authentically whether it's you know triathlon or ultraman or running or cycling these are just examples they're just metaphors for whatever it may be in that individual's case could be something completely different non-athletic whatever
1: well i would say first rule is never go to home depot as a couple <laughs> <laughs> Split up those activities that need to happen. We we never go to Home Depot. That's my joke with Rich because he gets
0: we, really we don't go to Home Depot upset because I, if he
1: ever has to go to any kind
0: of. Well, first land. of all, I never go to Home Depot because that would be a pointless adventure because I don't know how to build anything or do anything.
1: <laughs> but I mean, any like any uh, any errands or chores for the house cannot be happening. As a couple on the weekends, that's, we, that just doesn't well, happen. It's inefficient. With us. It's very inefficient. Divide, you have to divide that's the right. labor. Right? Exactly. Just send one. One goes in, gets it done. The other one's doing whatever the creative endeavor is. And then right. it switches. We divide it up. That's right. We just, And then when I'm seeing you, I want like a really amazing date. Like that's what I want. So I don't want to be walking next to you in Home Depot arguing about what size screw we're going to buy or. Right broom or ladder or something. So that's kind of like the death for us. Mm -hmm. It's one of our little pet things.
0: We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I think also in terms of really addressing this question, you have to bifurcate it into the kind of external real life problems like the job and the commute and the relationship and the financial constraints or what have you. And then there's the internal side of things. And I think that if you're trying to make something happen externally before you've really kind of done the internal work, it's a little bit backwards,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right? Explain
1: more about that. Well-
0: <clears throat> if somebody's feeling stuck in their life, right, mm. and they're feeling underexpressed or they don't even know why they're not feeling as connected as they could or be. Or who they are. Or who, or who, well, yeah, who they are. I mean, that's sort of a trite catchphrase. But let's just say, you know what, here I am. I'm, I don't even know how I got to this place in my career or in my life and something's missing. I don't even know what it is, but I'm feeling like I need more or... Uh, and I don't know what to do, and I don't I don't know where to turn. Um, what would be a way of beginning to kind of unlock yourself a little bit to do to be able to kind of discover a little bit more about yourself and where your energy should be directed?
1: Well, it's two things for me right off the that's that are very very simple. And the first thing is start eating plants, increase your uptake of organic plant, and living whole foods. And the best way to get that immediately in your system is in any any number of versions of blends that include lots of dark leafy greens and uh, superfoods and whole foods. That would be the first step that I would say. And then...
0: And why do you think that that's important?
1: Well, I think that uh, in my experience, it's what I've experienced in my life, I feel like... Um, as we were talking about in the last podcast, you know, the body is a perfect divine organism that has perfect intelligence. And I think it gets uh, sort of uh, sidetracked or uh, derailed um, by all the processed foods, different energies, toxins in the environment, all the processed foods. So in a way, you're carrying a lot of density that's blocking your sight, from feeling your body, feeling yourself operating at your at, at your uh, optimum frequency. So like, for instance, when you were using cheeseburgers and fries and just shoveling any food into your mouth, I could always see you in there, but there was a big um, layer of density around you. And that's the stuff that that just started to come off as you started to incorporate plants and you went through your detox and you started to touch and feel yourself in a different way than you have had ever before.
0: Yeah. It's a weird thing. It's the, there is something to that. Um, something about, uh, You know, well, it goes back to the very simple statement that food is medicine, you know, and you are what you eat and all that kind of dumb stuff. But it really is true. And when you start to treat your body properly and you respect it, you know, for the temple, the body temple or whatever, but you really take that to heart and you say, I am going to give my body the best nutrition that I can possibly give it. And that starts with eating organic, you know, organic plants, that there is something that occurs with that. There, I think it really is true. It's physical, it's mental, it's emotional, it's spiritual. And you do sort of start to unlock, you know? And and there is, I mean, look, there has never been, it's an incredible time right now in terms of this plant-based nutrition movement. I mean, five years ago, a couple of years ago, still, you know, still such a very marginal kind of thing to do. It was still, you know, stuck in kind of the world of hippies and, and all of that, um, and that's all changed uh, because of books like The Engine Two Diet, because of movies like Forks Over Knives, because of the work of T. Colin Campbell and the China Study, and you know, the, and mainstream authors like Kathy Freston, and even you know, the the amazing food critic Mark Bittman uh, talking about it. I mean, it is in the zeitgeist like never before. This idea of using plants to heal yourself and eating a plant based diet to not only preserve your health, but to actually prevent congenital disease. And in many cases, reverse it. Uh, If you read Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn's book, uh, Reverse and Prevent Heart Disease, he shows these amazing before and after angiograms of heart patients. This guy's a surgeon at the Cleveland Clinic. Um, He's been treating patients Cardiac patients since the 1970s with a plant based diet like decades and decades before anybody was interested in in listening to what he had to say and realizing amazing results by uh, by changing the diet of his patients before cutting them, them open and operating on their hearts uh, but it 's taken him thirty years of you know pre- of preaching this of screaming down from the mountaintop that this is a a good thing to do before anybody's listening. And now you have, you know, Dr. Sanjay Gupta on CNN doing his uh, The Last Heart Attack special and interviewing President Clinton and how Clinton has really embraced this plant-based diet and, and believes that it has saved his life. Uh, so my point being that what was formerly uh, quite a marginal concept is real really now very much mainstream. And yet at the same time, it's it's couched in disease prevention and it's couched in weight loss, right? Mm-hmm. When in reality, I think it's, there's a lot more going on. You know, oh. I really think that, you know, when I get emails from people saying, you changed my life, I've adopted a plant-based diet, I cannot believe how much better I feel. They'll talk about how much weight they lost, they'll talk about how much energy they have, but really what's coming through between the lines is an awakening, is an emo- you know, an emotional and a spiritual awakening, a... And 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 alongside with that is a connecting with the heart, like a, a, a deeper understanding um, of that person, by that person, of who they are.
1: It is. It's like the first membrane to just sort of unlock that door or, you know, unlock the, it's the key to unlock the heart and to, you know, to reveal what's really underneath there. And the one line that I always, that stands out for me um, in all the emails is, the line, you saved my life. I mean, that gets said a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you're like, wow, that's amazing. That's profound. But what, it, what, what they're saying is that it's almost like I found myself. Like I found myself, finally.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what it really is. That's it's not I mean. like I lost 20 pounds right. or I ran a 5K. It's I know who I am now. Or I'm on a path towards... Mm. Better understanding who I am or embracing who I am, or you know having reverence for myself right. self esteem self respect
1: and what a beautiful thing what a beautiful simple thing and and uh and also you know it's it's um, it's not always completely easy you know and and there's a lot of emotions that are that are being suppressed by all the toxins and by all those foods that you eat. And so, you know, a lot of people have trauma or they have things that they haven't dealt with in their life that are basically being held into place by all that toxic energy. And, you know, very similarly in my, in the last podcast that we did together when we talked about, you know, the Ayurvedic program that I was on to heal this cyst in my neck and I was taking these herbs and eating this specific plant-based diet and, I had, you know, three months of an extraordinary amount of pus in whiteheads coming <laughs> out of my face. I mean, it's, and you know, it's just a, it's just a fate. I mean, but it's that's just on a your physical, face.
0: But that's a physical thing. I mean, we're talking about emotional things. Yep. And I think that brings up an interesting point, which is, <clears throat> which is this suppression of emotions and using food to medicate. And, you know, I always analogize our relationships with food to, uh, to the addiction paradigm because that's what I come from that's what I have experience with and what you see in in addiction and recovery and you know what I've been told and what I've seen time and time again is that when somebody <clears throat> an addict starts using drugs which is usually at a very young age when they're emotionally still developing let's say you start using drugs you know when you're 13 14 years old and you do that consistently for the next 20 25 years and then you find yourself in, in recovery all of a sudden, uh, you take all the drugs away and you're sort of cleaning up physically, but emotionally you haven't developed mm-hmm. much beyond where you were when you were 13 years old because you've been repressing all of those emotions. You've been medicating yourself to deal with whatever trauma you know was going on in your life that led you to start using in that way to begin with. And so... You know people that are newly sober are like live wires you know mm-hmm. like they have all these crazy emotions coming up that they don't know how to handle and manage and I experienced this myself. I still experience this <laughs> but uh, but then they you have to and they and there are no tools for how to deal with that and 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 so recovery is a lot about you know sort of uh, teaching the tools of how to manage this and how to then mature through that, so that you know you're not you're not interacting with the world as a 13 year old when you're 40 years old. Well, exactly. Um, and I think extrapolating on that to the food dialogue, it's not dissimilar. No, really. It's a, I mean, it's the if same. you've been eating, you know, if you've been eating the standard American diet, or you've been eating fast food consistently, regularly for a, a protracted period of time, there is a you know there is an emotional link uh, between food and how we sort of interact with the world right so what am i trying to say i'm not articulating it very well but but we use food to manage our emotions and i think that that's a spectrum some people do it a lot some well, people do it very little but but if you're really conscious about you know how you know your eating patterns your, if you or if you do an inventory of that you know, you will see like, oh, wow, when I'm feeling like this, I I gravitate towards eating this kind of food. And there really is a, it's a deeply ingrained connection that's very human. Yes. Right? I mean, I do it. We well, all do it's,
1: it. I mean, it's using food as suppression to suppress the emotion because you don't, the the person doesn't want to feel what they're feeling. Exactly. So they're taking food, you know, to sort of keep it all locked down and right. not and let so, it out.
0: And so changing that is threatening and scary.
1: Well, it's scary. Yeah. Because, because, because if you haven't looked under there, if you've had a whole lifetime of eating, in you, this don't imbalance, you don't want to maybe not, you don't want to look there. But as you start to have courage and you start to step on the path and you start to embrace some of these living concepts and living foods, um, you know, that's why meditation and yoga and, is so key
0: to this whole thing. That's because why you think it, it, it goes right hand in hand. It, in it hand. helps you navigate yes. that, that transition.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, in the beginning, you and I both knew the experience that we've been through. And, you know, uh, all of the, you know, all of the focus was just on that you were middle-aged and you, you know, you were overweight. and You lost some weight, and I used to laugh because it was just it was just the beginning slice. It's right, just the just the tip really, of the iceberg. That's not
0: really what it's about. And no, yeah, I was overweight, all. but I, I wasn't even that over. I mean, I was no. overweight, but you, I think people was, are like they open up the book and they're like, "He looks fine." You let know, was,
1: me <laughs> let me tell you, as your wife, uh, you were you had a lot of dense, uh, gnarly energy on you, <laughs> and you did not you were not well. You were not a vibrant being like you, like the beautiful man that you are today. <laughs> that I'm sitting here looking at. Right. So whether somebody thinks you know 300 pounds is really overweight, or you know 250, or whatever the number is, I can just tell you from our relationship, you were severely out of balance in in a bad way. And
0: it's more about that than the actual weight. I mean, yeah, I was heavy, you know, but I mean.
1: That people picture. who think that I
0: wasn't that heavy—it's more a statement about, you know, what we perceive as normal now. You know, it's, yeah. it's weird. You go to you go to airports, and all the traveling I did this last year—I see it all the time. It's, you go you go into air, you know airports across the country, and the, the number of people that are riding around in those carts—you know, like <laughs> young able-bodied people—and Sometimes I'd like a ride in the cart. And you look around and there's nothing but fast food. There's no, there's no... There's no option. I mean, if you're in the San Francisco airport, they have a yoga room. Did you know that?
1: No. Yeah.
0: Like there are some airports that are That's great. awesome. Yeah, I know. But most of them, not so good. So, you know, you really get to see, um, you know, I, I remember when, I can't remember what airport I was in, but uh, there was one healthy place to get some food and then next to it was McDonald's and there was no one in line at the healthy place. And there was right. a huge line at McDonald's. So, you know, it's, it's also easy to say, well, there's no options. Um, you know, if there was a healthy option, I would do that. But sometimes there is a healthy option and people are still, they'd rather go to McDonald's. That's right. So, and I guess that goes back to what you were saying about, you know, being stuck in a pattern or not being ready or whatever.
1: Yeah, or you just yeah, patterns or, or not wanting to look at what's under there. And so if you have tools and you have, you know, that's one of the reasons why I offered and developed this meditation program is honestly, that meditation program transformed my life. It it put me in touch with myself in such a deep way. And the humming part of it, it's actually more than just a humming, but the humming part of it. Is, is just a wonderful mechanism to clear fear and clear any residue in your system. So if you haven't tried it and you don't know how to meditate, it's just a perfect, it's a, it's a perfect, it's a perfect program. It but really the, is.
0: The one thing about it though. What? You actually have to do it. Oh yeah, you
1: have to do it. You have to actually want to do it.
0: <laughs> it's not hard, but you actually have to do it. it. Yeah. That's the thing.
1: You can't just look at it right. or think about it.
0: Yeah, That's I can't, true.
1: I can't do no, that. No, I can't do no, that. No, That's really good. You know. And also, I mean, regarding the weight thing, because, you know, it's different for, ev- for each person. You know, conceivably, there could be a being that was uh, a frame that would be very healthy at, you know, 300 pounds. Right. I don't Everybody's, know. I mean, well, I haven't you know, met everybody. There's
0: ectomorphs and endomorphs yeah. and mesomorphs and, yeah. and the different. Uh, the uh, through Ayurveda, the different types that you were talking about the other Doshas. day, the, the, yeah, the the Vata and mm-hmm. the Pitta and,
1: different types. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is too, is is. But uh, I
0: think the thing too is, you know, with this. Excuse oh, me. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> the thing is, too, is uh, I pushed your buttons. See how see how he is? He just butts in. I thought no. you were done talking. No, it's Go. okay. I'm just kidding. Obviously, now um, the I think the key is 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 you. You yourself are the only person that can say whether you're completely in alignment and operating at your highest capacity. How do you know frequency. that though?
0: How do you know if you are or you're not? And if well, you're disconnected that, from yourself, but, you know, how, that's how, a, how do you have any barometer at all? How actually, can you trust your instincts or have any objective? You know,
1: what? that is actually a really good point that you're making and it's one that we, you know, we've we've spoken about in yoga over the years and we've sort of explored um, is that yeah, when, you know, because some people go, well, I'm craving bacon, so I must need bacon, you know, or I'm craving milkshakes, so my body's telling me that I need milkshakes. And actually, you're right, because if you're out of balance, you can't know what you need. Mm -hmm. It's the... It's the uh, what would what would Rom say? Compton Rom would say it's the it's <clears throat> the, the microbe. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's
0: it's your it's it's your emotional pathways that have been right. you know operating in a certain way forever right. and have been reinforced for so long that they are your default. That's on a sort of mental right. level, and I think on a very physical level. And this is another subject that I talk about in the book, which is fascinating. And I talked about this on Joe Rogan too. But um, this idea of the microbial ecology that exists in your body. In other words, uh, you know, we believe we're sentient human beings, that we are ourselves, and that the cells of our body make up our, you know, organs, and the organs make up the systems, and all of that together makes us who we are and that we kind of have control over our thoughts and our emotions and our behaviors and actions, et cetera. Uh, but uh you know, an interesting little factoid is that we're much more microbe than human. Like if you look at the number of human cells versus the number of microbial microorganisms that exist and thrive symbiotically within our bodies, it's like 10 to one. So I think there's like 10 trillion microbial uh, entities in our, in our GI tract alone. That's crazy. Right, and so, and, and they're important for health, right? Like they, it's, a, it's a symbiotic relationship. Um, You need these microbes in order to be a healthy person, but there are healthy microbial ecologies and not so healthy microbial ecologies. And when you're eating, you know, a nutrient-poor diet or you're eating a fast food diet or you're eating a standard American diet, you're putting certain foods into your body that also have microorganisms in them, and then they take root and start to proliferate in your GI tract and then sort of take over as the predominant ecology. And there's some very, very interesting studies to suggest that, that the constitution of your microbial ecology has some sway over your nervous system and the impulses that are being sent to your brain that create the cravings for certain kinds of foods, right? So wow. they did studies with chocolate and that were very similar to the way addicts uh, crave cocaine and they found a link between the microbial ecologies and the guts of people that were like chocolate addicts, right? And so, <clears throat> but, um, and, and to illustrate this example, I always tell this story, and if you heard this before, uh, I apologize, but um, if you saw the documentary, "Supersize Me, uh, where Morgan Spurlock decides he's gonna eat McDonald's every day for 30 days straight and see what happens, um, if you haven 't seen it it 's fantastic you 've got to check it out but basically uh, he goes from essentially a plant a completely plant based diet because his girlfriend was a vegan chef and decided he was going to start eating mcdonald 's so for the first couple days, day one fine and then a couple of days into it, he's starting to get sick. Like he just can't believe he's got to go back to McDonald's and eat. And there's one scene where he actually like vomits out of his car. Like it's, it's, <laughs> right. it's so not agreeing with his system, right? His system is revolting against this. But then if you fast forward a couple of days later, um, he actually starts to crave McDonald's. He wakes up with headaches he doesn't feel good until he goes to McDonald's and starts eating McDonald's food. And so wow. how can you explain that? Well, you know, there's there's probably, if you ask a scientist or a biologist, that maybe there's a couple explanations. But one very interesting explanation, and, and and Compton Rahm, our nutrition guru, would support this, is that he effectively replaced his microbial ecology in his gut with the healthy microbial ecology that sort of... Um, Thrives on a plant-based diet and helps your body operate optimally to a microbial ecology that exists uh, on McDonald's food, and so that microbial ecology, when it starts to get hungry or whatever, because uh, those organisms need to feed, they feed on the food that you That's eat, so triggers your nervous system and sends these impulses to your brain and say, "Go, go get more Just McDonald's." Sends you to the drive-thru. So, you're cr- in other words, what I'm saying is. Your cravings are not, you know, you, Even you saying this is what I need or wow. like, what is telling you what you need? Like, is your body saying I need bacon or are the, is the microbial ecology somehow speaking to you to tell you, you know, please go get that food because that's what we need to live inside your gut. Wow. So. It's profound. Anyway, it's interesting.
1: So that's but, Compton Rom from Ascended yeah, Health, he'll, by He's the way. definitely
0: going to be a guest on the yes. podcast. Um, We'll track and, him down. Uh, and also, as far as, as far as having guests on, um, from the beginning, I was sort of like, people, people said, well, you, you should just Skype people in and do these Skype interviews, like essentially phone interviews on the podcast. And initially, I was not, you know, I'm not into that because there's something about sitting across from someone. The chemistry. Relaxing into a you chair. You should feel it. And what's taking in the room this right conversation now. wherever it wants to go. And I think a lot of that gets lost, um, you know, when the person's not there. But uh, if we run out of things to say, I'm going to start bringing people in by Skype. I know to Skype. tons of people we could get. In. We'll have some fascinating guests. I just prefer to be sitting with them. But maybe I'll start with people that don't live in Los Angeles that I know that would be maybe interesting Maybe somebody wants that to come. maybe probably wouldn't be. You're going to fly them out? Maybe. All right. We'll see. We'll look we'll into see. that.
1: Maybe we'll go to L.A. <clears> and do like a Jai House Marathon podcast, TED Ted Talk, but it'll be Jai (laughs) Talks. Jai Talk.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That would be good, actually. I like that.
1: It would be great. We're also
0: looking into uh, talking to Chris um, about um, looking into doing uh, a TED Kawhi, TED Talks Kawhi, and getting something going on It's
1: going to be amazing.
0: Yeah. But more on that later. Anyway, getting back to kind of food and unlocking your heart and becoming more acquainted with yourself. And one of the things, one tool that I wanted to talk about you know, beyond eating right and the meditation practice, which I think is critical and and exercise, you know, just moving your body and getting to know yourself physically uh, is um, the idea of journaling. And one of the things that I did, you know, a lot of you people have probably heard of this or or may have done it yourself, but um, I've done it a couple times, which is this program called The Artist's Way. it's based on a book by this woman, Julia Cameron, who's an amazing woman, she used to be married to James Cameron a long time ago. I think, I think I got divorced a long time ago, but she's written this amazing book called Artist Way. And essentially it is a program uh, to help you unlock. It's, it's, it's sort of positioned or marketed as a way of unlocking your creativity, but really what it is, is it's a way of finding out more about yourself. Um, and this sort of crucial tool that provides the foundation for doing this Artist Way program is what's called the morning pages. So what you do is when you wake up in the morning every single day, um, it should be you know essentially first thing in the morning, but if you're going to do a meditation or whatever, I would suggest doing the meditation first, uh, is writing three pages out. You get, a, you get one of those little notebooks and you just write three pages. And it doesn't matter what you write uh, as long as you do it. So you just start writing like, for example, you wake up, you sit down. I'm tired. I don't want to write anything. I don't have anything going on right now. Uh, I don't have anything interesting to say. I really don't feel like doing the morning pages. I need to get to work. Whatever it is, just write it out and get those three pages done. And don't do it on the computer. You don't use the key. The key. You don't use a laptop. You actually use a pen and a paper. And there is something that takes place with that, because I've done it a couple times, when you do it consistently and you do it every day, stuff will start to be revealed to you. You'll start writing about yourself in a different way. Ideas and things you want to pursue will start to come out and you'll develop a relationship with yourself uh, that you didn't know existed when you began. So any of you out there who feel stuck or you know, maybe you're working on a creative project and you're not getting any traction with it or you just don't know what to do next or, you know, where's life leading me or whatever. Super, super helpful tool. So I would recommend that.
1: It's great. You've had great success with that. You've enjoyed it a lot. You've done it a few times, haven't you? I've done it
0: a few times, yeah. Yeah. And actually, I think she's got a couple companion books now and there are little groups that spring up in different areas, like support groups for Hmm. people that are doing the artist way where they get together once a week. And there are other things associated with the program that you kind of do throughout the week. Um, to help you kind of you know unlock this or whatever but but it 's really a, for me at least it was it 's all about the morning pages and I know people that you know just they 've just done it ever since they did the artist way they never stopped like ten years they 've been doing the morning pages every day, and these are you know successful creative people like very well known screenwriters, you know creative professionals in Los Angeles that are You know, you would look at them and say, that's an unbelievably actualized person, a very creative person who's very successful. So anyway, check it out. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. So what else? Balancing. Are we still talking about balancing family life training?
1: Balancing, harmonizing. Harmonizing. I'll be humming.
0: How do you do it? I'll be
1: humming while you're doing (laughs) the morning pages.
0: (laughs) How do you do it? I remember... um, you know, in training for Ultraman uh, on Saturdays, those would be the days that I do my really long ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd leave really early in the morning and, and that, that like Saturday ride would kind of get longer and longer and longer as we'd go throughout the season. And the closer we got to Ultraman until, you know, in the last like two, three months before Ultraman, I mean, that Saturday ride would be, you know, an eight, nine hour ride or 12 something 12 hours. Like that. Did I do a twelve hour? I, I don't, don't remember. Know. Very I don't think, long. I don't think I ever went like that. But, All day. But then I would kind of walk in the door, completely depleted, you know, in my bib shorts. Or <laughs> <laughs> Julie would be like, "All right, uh, see you later." See, yeah, I'm <laughs> out of here. It's my turn now. And and then I would you know be with the kids, or you know, Jaya was you know, she was three then or something like that. You just hand me Jaya and. And then I would be with the kids and then I remember like I wouldn't even, sh- I'd be in my, you'd come home several hours later and I'd still would not have showered. I'm still in like my bib shorts and not recommended if you're trying to avoid Well, I don't think,
1: I don't think I ever really swords. realized exactly what you were doing until I crewed for you, which was really extraordinary because, you know, we're a couple and, you know, I know that you're... You but know, explain
0: what crewing, like if somebody's listening to this and they don't know what Ultraman is or, or right. whatever.
1: Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so... Uh, I had the privilege and the honor and blessing to crew for rich for uh, Ultraman. What year was it? In
0: 2009. So in this race that I described earlier in the show, it's a three-day race. You go all the way around the big island of Hawaii. There's only 35 people that are invited to do it every year um and you you know if you've seen ironman on tv you see you know 2000 athletes and they have aid stations set up like every mile and all these volunteers and everybody's kind of helping these athletes you know get through the course in the day Ultraman is the exact opposite there are 35 athletes they have to circumnavigate this landmass that's the size of Connecticut and there is zero uh aid stations there's zero you know support you have to bring your own support so each athlete has their own uh, crew. They bring their own crew. The crew is in a van, and each athlete has their own van with their crew in it. And that van is packed with all this food and gear and replacement parts and nutrition, et cetera. And as you go around this island over three days, you stay somewhere different every night, so you have to have all your stuff with you. And the people in that van are responsible for. Making sure that their athlete is, you know, getting the nutrition they need, the hydration that they need, is there to assist in, in the event anything goes wrong on the bike, and to be a cheerleader and, a, and, a, and a, basically a comprehensive support system for that athlete. And you cannot do this ultraman race without a very good crew. And it seems like a simple thing, like oh, you just ride in the van behind them, like no big deal, I right? And I think you you thought that, and I'd done the. Thought race I was going to listen to some new music. I had done the race Enjoy in the 2008 scenery. and I knew how intense this was going to be. And I was like, babe, you know, I don't think you have any idea what you're getting involved in here. She's like, how hard could it I'm be? Like, how like, hard we're going to drive around the island. We
1: made a movie together. Yeah. Like we've done all kinds of things together. I was like, right. it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. She's like, relax. And I'm like, It was literally the hardest thing I've you ever done. <laughs> it was two days of manic energy. I was so wrung out after that experience. It was so incredible in every way. And so what I was saying is I didn't realize what you were doing even though you were training that entire year and we had this whole thing as part of our life because I just see you as you leave the door so it's like okay this I'm going out to train so you'd leave on your bike or go out running or whatever it was and um all I knew is when you walk back in the door what was on my schedule after that time after that time had passed so because I wasn't out with you on the bike for a real time experience, I didn't have any of those, any of that awareness really. I And I, it was impossible for me because I'm not an athlete and I've never done anything like that. So I remember one time, I think you came home and I had Ujai and I was on my way out to some meditation thing or something. And You know, you reminded me that you would just run a marathon. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it was kind of just like in a day. It was just sort of in a course of the day. I was like, yeah, cool, marathon, awesome. Okay, see you later.
0: (laughs) There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries, all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better, Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media.
1: And another sort of just uh, amazing um you know, uh, thumbs up to the plant based diet. To your credit, you were not passed out on the couch after mm-hmm. doing all that stuff. You somehow you were still energized to show up, you know, at a level where you could be with the kids when you got home or you could show up for me. I mean, I remember us going out on our weekly date, or sometimes it would lapse to two weeks, would go by weekly, bi <laughs> weekly date. <laughs> And you would, you would come. I mean, it was, it was literally part of the deal. Like at what you could not have said, and you would not, and you never tried. You know what? I'm just too tired. I can't go. Like mm-hmm. they, you really were amazing. <clears throat> I think so. that's
0: attributable to a couple of things. I mean, yes, the diet, is, I, I believe <clears throat> wholeheartedly was instrumental in my ability to kind of absorb that training and bounce back, you know, recover, And not be completely dragged out, you know, so that I could function, you know, beyond, you know, off the bike and out of the running shoes. Um, Eating that type of diet, uh, which is very alkaline forming and in future podcasts, we can get into the science of that or whatever. But essentially, eating this way, I found that my body would bounce back more quickly than it had in the past, eating differently in terms of recovering from workouts, which gave me a sort of a High level, even keeled energy throughout the day, no matter what my you know training had been earlier that day, so that I could do other things in my life. And I think the second thing is learning how to train smart. And I think this is a big issue with a lot of you know sort of athletes out there, um, you know, a lot of middle-aged triathletes or you know, kind of weekend warriors or whatever who want to get fit. Maybe they want to do a 5K race, 10K race, or maybe they're training for a marathon or their first sprint triathlon or whatever. And I talk. this is another thing I talk about in the book, but um, it's this idea of learning how to uh, not train in your gray zone and to understand what each workout is about. What is the purpose of this workout and what am I trying to achieve and what am I teaching my body to do? Um, and also being very aware of not overtraining. You know, like what zone is this, is is my effort going to be in for this workout? And each specific, each workout is a very specific target, you mm-hmm. know, for what I'm trying to achieve. And if and when you're following that and you're paying attention to your body and you're kind of writing it all down and monitoring it, then you should never be super exhausted. I mean, certainly you're going to have those key workouts that are going to completely wipe you out. But if you're walking around exhausted all the time, then there's something wrong with your training. You're probably overtraining, and that's the way that. I trained as a swimmer, like my whole career as a high school and collegiate swimmer. I believe that I was overtrained the whole time because I remember all we would do is go to the pool, I would go as hard as I could every single day in every single set i 'd lay it all out there, you know twice a day, every day, just completely fry myself and no I would recovery. walk around, I would walk around like a zombie for six months and then hang it all on a two-week taper and see how I did at the big meet. And sometimes it worked and sometimes I didn't. But... You know this idea of building recovery days and recovery weeks in, and you know, some days are aerobic days, some days are strength days, some days are speed days, and knowing how to rotate that and be smart about what you're doing and allow your body the time it needs to recover and bounce back and get stronger so that you can realize those performance gains and then take it to the next level. I mean, I never understood any of that until I started working with Chris Howth and, and getting ready for Ultraman. So, Chris Howth is my coach, he is my coach, although I'm not training with him right now, but I plan on re-upping with him pretty soon. Um, really taught that he really taught me and helped me understand how that works so i think that's another reason why you know i wasn't tired all the time despite all this training
1: and without that it probably wouldn't have worked it probably would have would have been very stressful if i had been training
0: wrong and i was just tired all the time it it would have been a disaster (laughs) we would have altered the course Uh, no yeah we wouldn't be getting along i would have been a you know terrible mate a terrible father. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done well at Ultraman Mm -hmm. and I'd probably be too tired to work and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, your life doesn't function if you're not doing that properly.
1: It was incredible, incredible how it worked out. And so it wasn't until I got to Ultraman until we, some of you know the story, but we, uh, so no crew showed up. We kept waiting for a crew and and nothing was materialized. Well, I had
0: a bunch of friends that that you know sort of expressed interest in being my crew, and these are guys who kind of you know they understand cycling, they understand endurance sports, and and all this sort of all this sort of stuff that I could rely on. Like if I got a flat tire or something went wrong with my bike, like they would know how to fix it. But the problem is, Ultraman takes place over Thanksgiving weekend every year, <clears throat> and you know people have plans. They people have lives. Have they can't just like come and help out their buddy over Thanksgiving weekend. So all those guys that I, that, that I thought I had lined up, like that all went away. And so I was up like four or five days before the race or was it about that? About a week before the race. And I, and I called Julie because I'd, I'd gone to Hawaii early to get ready for the race. And I said, I don't, I don't have anyone to need crew. Like, I don't know what to do. And you were like, we'll do it. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. You can't <laughs> you do You
1: did it. not want me to crew no, for I you didn't. at all. And,
0: and a big, well, A, because I knew you didn't know what it involved. That's the big A. And, yeah. And well, and B, you know, you, you wouldn't, like if something happened to the bike, you wouldn't be able to help me fix it or, or anything like that.
1: Another large point.
0: Right. And C... Um,
1: you didn't want to yell
0: at me on the course. Well, yeah, it could damage our relationship because it, it gets intense. And especially when you're get, you get exhausted and you want things to be a certain way or whatever, um, they say in endurance sports or in, in ultras, uh, never, never have anyone crew for you that you care about. Right. Because when people be, be, get beyond exhausted, they start behaving badly. And I've done that. I did, that happened to me during Epic Five. I know what that's like. And I, w- I didn't want to expose you to that. Yes cuz I don't you know <laughs> But then cuz you were like it'll be fine.
1: But then I'm I'm who showed up. I was it. I was your crew crew captain right. along and, with and
0: you would say and I would agree that that was how it was supposed to it be. It
1: was supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. It was incredible. It was really incredible. And I had actually two two friends that I had known for about 2 minutes each, and I'm not exaggerating. I met if them. she calls
0: me, she's like, "I got these two people <laughs> out here that I met that I think, you know, they'll they're ready to come out and help. And I was like, Well, who are they? And you know, like, oh, this guy, Alan and Nicole. She seemed really nice. And I'm like, <laughs> Well, I'd
1: I, them, like, I had met them I had met them at a, a I had met them at a spiritual <laughs> meeting and I literally had only talked to them for we met kind of at the end on the way out the door. And uh just it was one of those coincidental things. We had no crew and suddenly they called to check in, you know, as maybe the second or third phone call that I'd ever had with them and and they said, "We want to come. We want to come, and we want to help, and we want to serve." And they actually did show up, almost complete strangers, in a complete energy of service, which was something that you and I had not really experienced before. I mean, it was amazing. They never asked, "Wait, uh, so where am I staying?" or "How many hours am I going to have to work?" or They didn't ask anything. They just said, "Where Where do you need me? What do you mm-hmm. need me to do?"
0: It was incredible.
1: That was magnificent, Mm -hmm. an amazing experience.
0: Yeah, it was a gift. And it's like, it goes back to that, that sort of spiritual precept of, you know, you will be, you know, if you're sort of walking the path that you're supposed to be, like the universe will provide. And it was like, I always use use this example of uh, the old Popeye cartoons. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if anybody out there
1: you really used to watch those. They're I'm, really it's old. It's a stretch now, yeah.
0: but you remember Sweet Pea, the little baby. Yeah, I do. And Popeye. So oh, there's right, one, right, right, right. So, there's this one awesome Popeye cartoon where, where uh, somehow they're like at a construction site, and Sweet Pea gets like loose in the construction site <laughs> right. and climbs up some girder, and like a a crane hauls the girder up high into the scaffold of this you know skyscraper that they're building, and just starts crawling, you know. Without a care in the world, is crawling along these these eye beams, these gir- these girders that are you know incredibly high up, and just as as the baby's about to you know crawl off the end of a girder, another one swings around on a crane, and and the baby just goes right onto the next girder, That's and this right. keeps happening, and they're they're panicked, thinking the baby's going to fall, you know to its death and but it's just kind of like right at the exact like not before not before you it looks like it's going to be a disaster like that beam shows Mm -hmm. up and it it all works out and like in 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 my life in our life i cannot tell you how many times that's happened i mean even being here at common ground is an example of that absolutely you know i mean sort of well we don't know what we're doing or how this problem is going to get solved or you know we have this crisis and we need a resolution to it at this time we don't know how it's going to get worked out and then right when it looks like it's it, the whole thing is going to explode and it's over like this solution just shows up you know absolutely and, and, and we've been okay
1: but that's living in the mystery of the moment and living in the present moment so it sounds, and irres- that is- it sounds
0: irresponsible
1: yeah it, to the old paradigm it does but so, you know, you have it's not have for it's not for
0: lack of of trying to make things work out in a real 3D world kind of way. You know, and be I've, responsible. It's just we've had some challenges. Like for, like the crew thing is a perfect example. Like I tried, you of know, course. Like I I did everything I could to try to make this thing right. happen, and it didn't work out. Right, and, and, and we I go, well, what are we going to do? We have no solution, and then at the last second, like the solution, you know, shows right. up.
1: And we arrived, and you were not happy, and. Uh, You were very. I. I I still. I don't think I've ever seen you so intense ever. It was absolutely. I wasn't unhappy, but I
0: was. I was intense, and I was. I was focused and concerned because you, like literally, the the crews for the other competitors had arrived on the island several days before the race. They drive the course. They go shopping. They get all the stuff they need for the van. You know. They understand where all the turns are. There's a big meeting. You know, two days before the race, where they there's a slideshow and they take you through all the things to look out for on the course and all the all and it's all for the crews to understand what they're getting involved in, but you guys showed up the we night were late. before the race you missed the meeting yeah, you showed no, you showed up at four p m and the race was the next morning that's right, so you didn't know anything nothing there was zero preparation, so i ha- I was rightfully very concerned
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And it was at that moment when you had, you know, you had that meeting and we came in the night before and you were so intense, like I couldn't even physically go close to you or anything. Uh, It was clear this was business. You were an athlete and it was like we needed to show up in a certain way. And so we came into the meeting and you had literally prepared maps and directions and charts and you had done all this amazing preparation so that we would have more tools that would help us to, you know, be a, be a good crew for you. And it was, it was very, very, very intense. It was so It all intense. worked out. Well, and what hmm. happened the first day?
0: I don't think you ever even looked at those maps, though.
1: Oh, no, we did. But we were, they, you know, everybody was telling us, it's okay, you know, if you need anything, let us know. We'll see you out on the course. And so you know, you took off on the swim and then we knew we had some time to like get some ice and, you know, eat a little breakfast or whatever. And then, you know, it was so surreal because you were first out of the water and we were, we were out of our minds. We were just like on fire. The adrenaline was rushing. And, and then, uh, you went for that, the first incline up that, up that hill. I don't know what road it is, but, Mm. um, we had to do our first bottle handoff and, And and Alan didn't even have, like, normal ten, tennis shoes. He had, like, some kind of, like, black street shoes or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would get in a sprint position and start running, but he would be running faster. Yeah, I remember than the his first
0: bottle handoff. The way it works is these crews, they can't hand you the water bottles out the window while they're driving. They have to pull up ahead and get out. And then it's like leapfrog. You, ride by, yeah, you ride by and they hand you, you know, your hydration or whatever <clears throat> in this race. And Alan, it was hilarious because the first couple bottle handoffs and you always park at the top of the hill because you want to do the handoff when the when the when the cyclist is climbing because they're going slower and there's less. you know, you don't want to do it at the right. bottom of the hill when they're racing by at 40 miles an hour. Right. So so I, I told you that and you understood that. And so I'm riding up the first hill and Alan starts r- running, you know, to do the handoff. But he's run, He's actually running a lot faster than I'm riding, and so he's getting further, further away from me up ahead. I was like, "We're off to a great start here. It's going to be amazing." So
1: we, so we turn the corner and we and we set out, and you're rocking it, and we we start to kind of get the the flow, and we understand all of a sudden that there's no way, you know, that there's going to be time for anything else but just watching you and seeing what you need and leapfrogging and preparing the nutrition and everything that we have to do. And then uh, I think we we pulled off to get gas and like grab a sandwich just to go, but then we got stuck behind some island traffic, and by the time we caught you, you were really mad, and you were like you were like, "Where were you? I needed you? I need that nutrition like get on it and so after that after that point, we never we never left you yeah. ever for one second and then all of a sudden, you know, the day keeps going and the day keeps going. I'm not seeing any other riders and I haven't seen any other crew vans. And we don't really know the island. And Tyler's looking at the map trying to figure out where we are. And and um, we get a call from the, from the race director or the whoever's, you know, the officials that are monitoring the race. And and they're asking me you know where are you and and I and I have no idea where we are so we're trying to find landmarks to kind of say where we are and and they and they're shocked that we're this far ahead they 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 can't they can't believe that we're where we say we are and then you're riding by and and you're saying something like what's my guest? like that as i just kind of hear it and i'm like so i i ask the guy I say what's a cap i ask the guy on the phone and he says the the gap. You were asking yeah, what's yeah. your gap. Well I gap kept riding was. every
0: time I rode by the van, I was like, What's my gap? Because I was in the lead. I didn't know if somebody was thirty seconds behind me or ten minutes behind me. I was like, mm-hmm. What's my what's the gap? What's the gap? But nobody knew. <laughs> you know, didn't know what gap and then was. the photographer cars were driving by and I kept getting they're like, Oh, you have, you know, oh, you're way ahead, you know, it's fifteen minutes and then it was and then the next car said, oh, it's, you know, there's a guy about a minute back. Like it oh, never, wow. I never got a straight story. So the whole time I'm panicked looking behind my, you know, behind me going, who's gonna, who's gonna be catching me? Whatever. That was crazy. But you know what? This is turning into like a race report from a race four years ago. Let's talk about something else. All right. So I wanna talk about things that, um, you know, takeaways for people that can be helpful to them. You know, we were talking about balance. We were talking about how to, you know, kind of uh, navigate priorities to unlock things, you know, creative pursuits or get to know yourself internally a little bit better, uh, you know, through meditation, artist way, all these sorts of things. And then it begs the question of the relationship issue and interacting with your mate and finding a way to communicate to do this together. I mean, what do you think? Like we've had our struggles with that. We have. (laughs) Nothing else to That's offer a question. on
1: that. No, well, um, I think for you and I, I mean, I would. We've, ha- you know, we've had some experience in some relationships, you know, uh, other relationships besides you and me. So uh, I've been married actually twice before. This is my third marriage, and uh, Jason from Mind Body Green called me a relationship expert. So I guess that does qualify me as a relationship expert. Yeah,
0: Julie wrote a um a great article, uh, for Mind Body Green called called uh, what was it Seven Ways to Experience Deeper Intimacy in Your Relationship. Something That's pretty like good. That? Something like so. that. Yeah, I think I'll it was six link, ways. Six ways. You didn't have seven. I could in come you. up with a seven. You didn't. You I didn't just, have seven yeah, at the I time. I just threw six out. I'll put a link there. up in the show notes, but um yeah, it was really well received. A lot of people uh, really got a lot out of that, and I think that you are very wise about relationships and you have a very different approach than, you know, Mm -hmm. the sort of more mainstream, maybe, you know, relationship people.
1: Well, I think it's, you know, I think it, it starts again. It starts again with being in touch with yourself. And it's like, you know, this kind of romantic fairy tale, you know, relationship paradigm where, you know, somebody goes, you complete me, you know, that's just so out of balance, you know? I mean, everyone, each being is complete within themselves. They come into the life. They're created by the great force with enough energy to sustain itself complete, right? So, I mean, that's in a divine way. And we're getting more to that, to that reality. Um, But I think that it starts with knowing yourself. And I think that uh, in my experience when you 're depending on a relationship to fulfill you um, you 're already you 've already set it up where it 's not it 's not going to it 's not going to provide mm-hmm. because um it 's not about getting something that 's outside of yourself it 's about tapping into yourself your heart your soul and if you a lot of times in relationships, I think maybe why a lot of people projected onto us that, you know, there had to be this imbalance and I had to be suffering if you were training so much or, you know, even the fact that you've had a lot of, uh, a lot of the spotlight, really, a lot of energy directed at you in the last years. It's just recently that I started speaking out, mm-hmm. but...
0: And taking over my podcast <laughs> inch by inch. Uh-oh. Tomorrow yeah. it'll be the Julie podcast.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I know. As the boys said, we get like... Uh, Team Julie, Team Rich. and We're only on the Warren, fourth episode Warren and podcast. Already, you're
0: already dominating No,
1: it. I just, I mean, I love it. I love the medium. I just love being able to speak. And, I, and uh, you know, I've been silent for a lot of years. so I've got a lot of stuff to say. You've <laughs> never been silent.
0: <laughs> That's ridiculous.
1: No, but the thing is, is that, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think we're secure within ourselves. And, I, and it was my honor and privilege to support you in your unfoldment and as you found yourself. And that, to me you know, to see you touch those parts of yourself, it, it gives me just tremendous joy and, uh, it really does. And it, and, and that's your experience. This is, you know, your journey. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that
0: people, uh, you know, I think the common thing is for people to project onto another person, um, some sort of recipe for happiness. So they're approaching a relationship from this place of, you know, I don't, I'm not feeling good about myself or I feel incomplete or whatever. And if I can just get with this person, then everything is going to be fine or my life will be better or what have you. And so there's this, a lot of energy put out towards trying to, you know, get somebody or whatever or try to be in a relationship. And I think that, you know, water rises To its own level, like when I've been in a not so good place in my life, the people that I attract into my life are of that caliber. You know what I mean? And when you've you maybe done a little bit more work or whatever, and you're a different person, then you're putting you're emitting a different signal, and you attract a different caliber of person into your life.
1: Very true. And
0: so, instead of trying to chase that other person to, like you said, complete me or whatever. You know, if you do the if you do the the uncomfortable inner work to get happy and content with you with who you are, irrespective of your relationship status, then you're it's almost like your your the the dimmer on your light switch gets turned up, you know, and it starts to shine brighter and brighter and brighter, and that you know when you stand in the light, then you attract, you know, your your the level of the water in your glass rises, and then you are like a beacon, a, like a magnet attracting those, those people who are on that frequency or on that wavelength into your life. That's absolutely
1: true. Very powerful. Very, very powerful. And after you, you know, after you're in a relationship with somebody, you know, then, then there comes all the, this is one of the things that I wrote about in the article. Um, it's actually very honest account of my own experience with you. And, you know, it was, it's basically the, the, uh, experience of being a woman, um, who, you know, I was a business person, a fashion designer, had my, you know, built a couple houses, like, you know, I'm very able person. And yet, uh, when I was in a relationship with you, um, I wanted you to be contributing at a certain level financially, like, and I, and I kept going around and around and around with that. And, um, and that is looking to you to be my source, Okay. Or to be the source of the family or, um, and so this was a huge key for us. It was actually the catalyst that changed everything in our life and all the dynamics in our relationship. And not that, I mean, you know, we loved each other right from the beginning and we had this extraordinary wedding and, you know, we, we've always been very well suited with each other. Um, but there was, uh, this kind of expectation, you know, I saw who you were, I could see who you were in the density. And I was reaching my hand out to you saying, take my hand, I can help you. Like I know what you need. And somehow by my reaching, you became more paralyzed. So it was after a lot of years, it took me probably seven years, I think, to actually, actually get it, get this awareness. And it came through studying with this Indian master that I studied with named Nityananda. And, uh, I was, uh, sitting with him and he was talking about divine love and how does, div- how does the divine love and, you know, the divine loves simply, simply for your presence, simply as you are in this moment without having achieved or done anything. And so I was looking at how I was loving you and I was loving you with an expectation if only you could bring in, you know, six figures, if only you could, you know, eat vegetarian, if only you could meditate, if only you could be different than who you are
0: now. Then what?
1: Then like drinking...
0: If, if this, then what? Exactly. Like you, so, but what am I... What, so, on the other end of that that uh, expectation equation, what is the result? Like, if I would have done that, then what? In your mind at that oh, time? Oh, in my
1: mind, then... Uh, then I would have had this this whole man as a partner that
0: I knew existed inside. And that would make you feel like in that in in a sense that's saying, well then then my life will be better. Yeah, exactly. Be
1: then right. then our relationship will be better. Then I'll feel better about myself, then we'll be more in love, then yeah, all of those things. So the point is is that it's It's the energy, and it's very sneaky because it's very hard to see because I could find a lot of people to validate my argument, like, well, yeah, absolutely, you have every right to expect that, you have every right to expect all those things um, and then I just realized i guess i I guess we had one moment, um, I think we like broke up for a day or something, and you left the house and and uh you know it was really sort of that moment where. Uh, Mathis was very young and and I had to really look at who you were and I had to make the decision. It's kind of like you, I had to decide. I had to just decide and you had to decide too in that moment. Are we going to be together? Are we going to do this together? And I really realized uh, in our case that I did want to be with you and I did want to uh, have a family with you and have you in my life. And uh, I made the decision to start loving you as the divine loves. And I made this energetic shift. And it was really remarkable because you could feel it. It was like the minute that I stopped needing you to be other than you were, all of a sudden there was this relief
0: and this. Um, a relief on my end or on your end?
1: I think all over. Mm -hmm. you know, really in, in, on the planet, (laughs) if you want to look at the, it's, it's an energy, right? It's an energy that was pulling. It was, it was Well, it's that same
0: thing. Like you said the other day, you're like, you know, I don't like to be told what to do. And if you tell me what to do, I'm going to do the opposite or whatever. And so I remember that time and, and it's like, you were wanting me to do this and wanting me to do that. And it's like the reaction, the human reaction to that is like, back off, man. Right. Like, you know, just leave me alone. Like, you know, like, I'm no different than I was when you married when you married me or right. you know whatever like what is it where is this coming from and right. it, and that's you know and it's also a human thing like whatever but so I think my reaction was like I just just you know leave me alone. But it whatever. literally. But you, then right. so then when you make this switch mm-hmm. right and you say all right you backed off and I, it was it was a weird like disorienting thing mm-hmm. like w- what do you mean like you just really became incredibly neutral with me on all these different matters that used to be emotionally charged for you. Yes. And so what that did, and where the power in that energy shift was, was that suddenly there's no, you know, pressure on me to do this or the other. It's all on me. Like mm-hmm. what, so it made me look inside myself and say, well, well you know, maybe I do want to do all that or whatever, you know, like I never really, it was always me just trying to push the pressure off. Mm-hmm. But then when the pressure's gone, then you're left with yourself and you have to go, well, who do I want to be? Or, you know, what's not working right now? And and it's that same thing with with, you know, addiction and recovery. It's like, You only get better if you want to get better. Mm -hmm. You're you're not going to create any kind of sustainable recovery unless you want it inside of you, not because somebody's telling you, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this.
1: Well, and I think it's the allowing of the energy um, that allows your life process to unfold organically the way it's supposed to you know, without someone else putting anything or meddling really. And it's like, goes back to, that's why I say, keep your hands to yourself, keep your energy to yourself. You know, it's very simple. If you just realize that, you know, I had to look at it and I had to go, okay, I I, I believe we're all divine. I believe this whole play, this whole creation, light and dark, the whole thing, the whole thing emanates from this amazing consciousness. So if I, if I believe I'm God, you're God too. You're God drinking your venti Starbucks with three ad shots, shoving hamburgers down your, your throat. You're God too. God has a plan for you. And I don't, I don't mean a man with a wand. I mean the four. you say? Just
0: to back up for a second, when you say, I'm God, you're God, like mm-hmm. that's a, for a lot of people, I think they're going to say, what, I know, what does that but mean? so you know, just like, What do you, you mean know. you're saying you're God?
1: Yeah. And you are too.
0: All right, well, explain, like elaborate on that a little bit because I think that's going to be confusing. I I understand, I know where you're coming from with that statement, but that's a loaded thing to say without explaining. All right, so would you like me to explain? Sure. Okay.
1: Um, I believe that we are all uh, creations emanating from this divine
0: force. And that, but that that exists within us, within as us, it, as much yeah. as it exists outside of us, within, right? So it's not an inside. It's not like it's not like uh, the divine force is outside of us, looking over us. It's inside of us. It's as, within. It's, us. It's, in, it's within all of us. It's That's with, essentially what you're saying. Exactly. Right. Okay. So within everything.
1: So right. and a lot of people have a supercharge with the word God. So you know, I use creation a lot, or I'll say force or whatever, but. You know, that's what I, I mean. It's, it's not a dogmatic. It's not, no, it's not a religious thing. It's not a di- dogmatic thing. It's an energy thing, mm-hmm. right? And so, so the, and that was, that awareness is what allowed me to release this energy that I was projecting to you as my partner to be one way or another. Mm-hmm. And so I just let go. I totally let go and you could feel it. And I think you- And
0: that provided the space for me to do what I needed to do just, to- do what I was going to do, right? Exactly. I mean, essentially, right?
1: Exactly. And, it, and in our case, I mean, there's no, you know, you don't know the outcome. You don't get to have the outcome. But I mean, in my experience, the divine always creates something much more beautiful than you could ever have imagined for yourself.
0: Yeah, and extrapolating on that, it goes back to what you said about, you know, keep your hands to yourself. And, mm-hmm. and when you look at that, I mean, really what you're saying is, don't get involved in other people's drama, even if it's for the right, Reasons, Right. Like when you get caught up in somebody else's drama, you're, all, you're almost interfering with their trajectory in a way. It's that, right. that meddling that may, even if it's well intended, may right. not be for the, the better good of that right. individual's like path that they're walking.
1: Yeah. And in my experience, I mean, the most powerful thing you can provide in any sort of situation is neutral, loving compassion neutral, loving compassion and just an awareness. And so when someone is having a a hard time or a big life experience or something intense that you don't understand or, you know, any kind of challenges, any kind of, of dark night of the soul or, you know, just really anything uh, that is out of the ordinary, that is um, out of the norm of society or, or expectations of family or whatever it is the most powerful thing in my experience that one can offer is I believe in you to find your way. I believe in you as a divine being that you know your path and that the path will unfold from you, from within you. Mm -hmm. It sounds like such a simple
0: thing but if you actually try to practice that with other people, it's really, it's it's hard. Well, it took me, that is a practice, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's a
1: practice. That's right. And so, and I I came to this awareness, and I really was there. And I think you called me a couple times to try to you know say you know are you are you sure you know uh, and and you, you told me you said I can I can feel the difference, and I said no 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 I don't care anymore I don't I love you exactly as you are, and it wasn't just lip service like I really was
0: there I really was in that place. But it, so- it almost sounds like giving up. Like well I gave up so.
1: No, because gonna it's neutral. You, I'm going to
0: leave you alone now.
1: Okay, no, no, no. But see, you have to be careful and that's a good thing that you brought up is it's not a distinction of going, okay, well then I'm just not going to talk
0: to him anymore.
1: You know, or I'm just not going to say anything anymore. See, that's different. You're still, you still have it's still the energy. Charged. It's the, still charged. The
0: emotion is still there. You're no. just choosing not to articulate it, but it's written all over your body and your face, right? Right. If you're or, in that place.
1: Yeah, or in the air and you can feel it. Yeah. So the so the real thing is, is, is I really just, Made a decision to love you as God loves.
0: And how did not. you? How did you get from? How did you? You know, traverse that. You know what I
1: well, mean? Well, like, I mean, I had a hard time because there's mean,
0: say, it's sort of like you know act and act act as if until you actually believe it. But like, how did you go from a place of, you know, wanting me to be different to actually really letting go? and, I was, and like feeling that in your heart.
1: Well, whatever. I was uh, <clears throat> I was in a meditation practice. I was doing a humming meditation. Um and I also was listening to uh, you know, spiritual discourse and this one divine being that I had a connection with that I that had a great impact on me. And and really when I look at the whole trajectory, when I look at back at our last five years, I mean that that's a key, key shift. And then all of a sudden, you know, I mean you're vibrating or and you're living as an emanation of like my perfect mate right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, you grab know. that
0: drop, Tyler, <laughs> grab <laughs> that drop. I'm going to play that back to her later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you are, you know, and, uh, and, the, and the amazing thing is, is I've always liked kind of like for, from all, from a lot of different details, but I wanted you to be vibrant and connected and, and whole and, you know eating healthy and spiritually connected and also just physically your body type is much you know like i like the you know more thin framed you know not like the picture not like the before picture that was not my ultimate right. but um but anyway this is a key key thing and and really if you if i really really believe that if if one can drop this expectation, this energy of expectation that's between two people, a lot of marital problems will just go away. Mm-hmm. They just don't exist. Because then you're really autonomous.
0: Yeah, you're self-sovereign. Yeah, I'm my own and being. You're not, you're not reliant on the other person for your right. sense of well-being or sense of self.
1: No. And at the same time, you can have a very intimate, beautiful dance with another individual, which I share with you. I share an amazing, amazing relationship with you that I never thought I would experience. And it's on every level. And I consider myself extremely blessed. And I know you feel the same.
0: No, it's been great. It's been good. That's
1: it. No, no it's been great. That's so. <laughs> what you're going to say.
0: <laughs> now I'm in trouble.
1: Come on, give me a little more than that.
0: No, I was reflecting on what you were saying, like when we kind of had that, that, that fight when we were married. and, and On the was air, last like podcast? No, not or, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> not that fight. No, like we had a big kind of like fallout before that shift. And I, I, remember. I remember I did leave for a day and that was, a, that was like the darkest time in our marriage. And just to see, you know, kind of where we are now versus then. It, yeah. it's
1: it only lasted a day. I mean, we were, no, know. you know, we were very well, clear we yeah. wanted to be together.
0: But anyway, um, no, that's great. I mean, you know, if somebody's trying to, if somebody's listening to this and they're trying to hold on to this idea and, and, mm. and you know, take those first couple steps towards this, I mean, what are some of the things you could tell them that might be helpful?
1: Well, I would say, you know, of course, the plant that, you know, start with the plants, of course. Uh, I would definitely start meditating some, some form of meditation. Uh, You know, if you, if you like mine, great. If you don't, there's a a lot of meditation practices, Uh, but meditate on this idea, you know, that the sun, just take the sun. So the sun is shining and the sun is always shining. It's even shining when it's night here, right? It's always shining And it doesn't discriminate, you know, it doesn't say I'm going to shine more on this tree than this squirrel or, you know, it, it doesn't differentiate. It is just emanating. So that's really sort of like a metaphor for divine consciousness, how it loves. And, and also there's no value difference. Um, consciousness isn't more pleased with me because I chose a life of spiritual inquiry you know what i mean like it's there's no value difference it doesn't matter what it is what your love is or what you were designed to do you're not you're no better and you're no worse than anyone else Mm -hmm. and and that neutrality that neutral loving compassion if you really start to get there because in a lot of couples when we're in relationships we can get attached to stories about and and also keep them alive you know uh things that have happened you know whatever it is you know affairs or uh or uh you know any kind of of hurt that is you know that has happened between right. two you know, people. Right. He said,
0: "Can you believe that he did this right. and you tell a bunch of people and then yeah. you tell it again and you tell it again?" You
1: tell it again and, and, it and...
0: starts to take on this right. life and this energy right. that maybe it didn't even have to begin with.
1: Exactly. And that's and it why it becomes
0: a thing and it, and it, and it's like a shiv that, you know, starts to divide.
1: Right. And this is why, you know, I mean, I have experience in couples therapy, not with you, but I have experience with other relationships and couples therapy and I always I find it hilarious because we always left matter and in worse shape than when we went in. <laughs> Cause and I know, you know, some therapists are gonna get mad at me or whatever, but I'm I'm sorry. I just I really think it's a solo job. You know, not that therapy can't be helpful, it definitely can, but I really think you have to turn the magnifying glass on yourself. That's, that's the only place you can affect change. Because if you're going to go in a room with a third person and then tattle, like if I went in and was like, well, he did this, and then she did this, and it just, in my experience, it just has not been helpful. It was well, not turning helpful Well, turning the magnifying
0: glass on yourself is, is really kind of the, the first step towards a, a solution in basically everything. Everything, really. I right? mean Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Really. Mm-hmm. It's really, huge,
1: but but you but you'd be surprised. I mean, you wouldn't be surprised. It's very easy for human beings to create an entire history, and then the the person is more. You know, we're more interested in being right, even if being right is a really horrible outcome.
0: <laughs> right. It's a, yeah. The question, yeah, is: Do you yeah, want to be right. right, or do you want to be happy? Or
1: you want to be happy? Exactly, and that's true. And then you know, you can also go sort of a different. You know, if you want to talk about holding a high consciousness for somebody or holding a healing energy for somebody, you know, you can, in fact, raise somebody up by seeing their best, seeing the best in them always. Like, instead of letting the negativity or the darkness of some situation, you you might see it, okay? You know, you might see it. Like, I might look at you and I might see the, you know, the, the big wound on your leg from the from the crash today, or I can look at your eyes and I can choose to focus on that. And by focusing on the light in your eyes, I can, I can in fact assist the energy in lifting you higher. So if you want someone to, you know, rise up and to be more than who they are, then see them in that light and speak of them as if they are, as if that's all that you see.
0: Another profound statement to wrap up this episode of the Rich Roll Podcast, episode four. Julie always gets the last word in. (laughs) She knows how to nail it. So, again, I can't do better than that. Um, I think what we're going to do is uh, we're going to end today with a song. Yeah? I think. Should we do that? You want to play and sing a song?
1: Okay. I think I'll...
0: Can you handle that?
1: I think I might be able to. I'm going to do my best.
0: All right, cool. But before that, just a couple show notes. Um,
1: so let me tell them a little bit about the song, yeah. or should I?
0: Well, why don't I, why don't I do the show notes first and then we'll and segue into the, the well. song and then okay. you can play. All right. So again, thank you so much for uh, supporting the show. We're, we're over the moon with the early response and support. Um, we love to hear your comments and your feedback, what you'd like to hear on the show, what's working for you, what's not. Uh, you can do that. Uh, please leave the comments at richroll.com um, underneath this podcast episode in the in the comments section there, so I know where to look. So they're not spread out over Facebook or what have you, um, and I'll take a look at that. Uh, again, you want to learn more about what we're doing? Go to Jai Lifestyle, uh, and again, you can get that seven recipe download there if you just subscribe with your email. Uh, and richroll.com, dot uh, Julie's website is srimati music s r i m a t i music.com. That's where she has all her music stuff. And where can we find you on Twitter?
1: At Jai Seed J A I S E E D.
0: Okay, she's got mad wisdom. Obviously, she needs more followers. Let's uh, let's, way let's expand her, her podium, people. All right, <laughs> on Twitter, I'm rich at Rich on Twitter. And uh, we're both on Facebook. You can find it. But my personal page is filled up. I can't do that anymore. So there's a um, fan page there. If you want to follow me on Facebook, you can do that. And uh, I'm loving uh, Instagram right now. I'm super into the photos and uh, I've been loving taking pictures around Kauai. So if you're into that kind of thing, you can follow me on Instagram. It's the same name, at Rich Roll. All right. So show notes or not show notes music notes you want to tell us a little bit about what you're going to do here so
1: the song that i'm going to sing uh on this podcast uh is a song called in the sun um it's been a song that's been multi-dimensional in the ways and the meaning uh and the connections to our life um it's a song that i was writing when rich was training for uh the second ultraman race and uh he was very, very, very uh, torn about um, not making money and about uh, a lot of hardship that we went through as a result of this decision that we embarked on. And uh, it started writing in the house uh, before I was leaving to come to Kauai, actually, to come to Secret Beach. I was gifted uh, a trip along with my two youngest daughters by uh, my dear friend, Deborah Garland, who is a healer and uh, she just called me one day and said uh, I want to I want to take you to secret beach because I feel like you need to go there um, and at the time I was so incredibly grateful and so longing to be here so um, I actually came on that trip um, and uh, in the sun wrote during that time and uh, I wrote it for rich and uh, so I'm gonna give it a shot and hear it tonight so I hope you enjoy it all right here we go It's been a
2: long, hard road Down the line I've lost the truest part Of who I am How much can one man take Nothing seems to stick I've got to find my way To be the man for you You In the sun of who you are can not be torn
0: gentlemen the amazing julie pyatt and tyler pyatt thanks so much you guys that was rocking that was awesome yeah <laughs> all right cool we're out of here that's the end episode four peace plans time.